one of the things I hear from time to time is that the inflation rate is low because the velocity of money has fallen substantially in the last 10 years. Oftentimes, this argument is combined with a commentary about wealth inequality. In other words, the velocity of money has fallen because wealth has become increasingly concentrated and the wealthy tend to not spend all of their money on consumer goods. Instead, they invest their wealth into assets, which puts downward pressure on circulation and by extension, consumer prices. Hence, the low rates of inflation we've seen in recent years. This argument has some merit, but upon closer inspection, it leaves out a few details. For today's episode, we'll be discussing the velocity of money, what it means for the monetary system and inflation, and its implications for investors going forward. Laura's going to ask me a few questions to that end. So Laura, what do you have for me? Thanks, Matt. To start, could you give us an overview of how the velocity of money works? So the velocity of money is actually a factor within the larger quantity theory of money framework, which essentially says that the general price level in an economy is proportionate to the size of the money supply. The velocity of money is essentially how fast the money supply is circulated within the economy. In other words, how many times a year is the average dollar spent? This has important implications for prices. To explain why, let's just use a simple example. Suppose there are two economies. Economy A has a money supply of $100, and economy B has a money supply of $10. Economy A has a velocity of two, which means that each dollar is exchanged for goods and services twice a year on average. This means that economy A's effective money supply is actually $200 because the cash in the economy has turned over twice in a year and is therefore functionally twice as large as if it was never spent at all. Now, suppose that economy B has a velocity of 20. That means that the $10 of cash available to economy B turns over 20 times a year which means the effective money supply in economy B is $200. So even though the size of the initial money stock is quite different between economy A and economy B, they have effectively the same money supply. That matters because all else the same, we should expect prices in both economies to be relatively similar. That makes sense. How is the velocity of money actually measured? This is a great question. The velocity of money is not measured, it's calculated. It's more of a concept than an observable phenomenon, which is why it's easy to run into issues when using money velocity in economic explanations about inflation. Money velocity is essentially an accounting identity. You calculate it by taking annual GDP, which is all the goods and services produced by an economy in a given year, and divide it by the M2 money stock, which is base money created by the Federal Reserve, plus credit created through the banking system. That's the calculation that gives you the velocity of money. So velocity is just GDP divided by the money supply, and we've seen velocity fall over the past few years. Does this mean the money supply is not turning over as frequently as it did in the past? And if so, what does that mean for our economy? 
This is a great question, and it gets to the heart of why the velocity of money calculation hasn't been particularly useful since the Great Recession. During and after the financial crisis, the Federal Reserve expanded the monetary base significantly. However, much of the liquidity supplied by the Fed during the quantitative easing programs never made it into the real economy, but instead remained at the Fed as excess reserves. This was and continues to be primarily due to insufficient, insufficient borrowing demand in the private sector. Nevertheless, those excess reserves are still considered part of the money supply, even though they're not circulating in the economy at all. That means that if we want to find out the effective rate of velocity, we need to strip out the excess reserves from the money supply. When this is done, we actually find that the velocity has been relatively stable since the Great Recession. As we talked about earlier, there is some merit to the idea that reduced velocity uh, that we've seen in recent years is due to increasing wealth inequality. The argument is that the rich don't spend the same proportion of their money on goods and services as the middle class or lower income people, and instead they buy assets. This reduces the turnover rate of the money supply in the real economy, which is reflected in the velocity calculation. This may have something to do with the collapse in velocity we've seen since the global financial crisis, but the most important factor is the recent explosion of excess reserves, making the underlying velocity calculation somewhat irrelevant. So what should investors do with this information? This is just a great example of the devil being in the details. If an investor takes economic metrics or jargon at face value and makes investment decisions without further investigation, it can be problematic. The nuance behind the metrics really matters, just like in the case of money velocity. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Multifamily Economics. If you did, please leave us a review on iTunes, which will increase our visibility and help us grow. If you'd like to discuss multifamily investing with me personally, please go to the contact us page on our website, darbyrosecapital.com. Thank you.